Hey, this is Pastor Rafael Rodriguez. Welcome to Restore 2020 Podcast. Go ahead and choose a message. Be empowered, be equipped, be prepared to change your world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. Last week, we began our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's the most appropriate time to speak about this because we talk about the Beatitudes of blessing, right? And how in Matthew chapter 6, um, the Lord 3, 3 to 12 or 13, he shares, shares multiple blessings. And some of that stuff, you can read it, and if you don't have a context, if you don't look behind it, um, look up the details of it, you might be saying, well, you know, what is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about? Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. So blessed are those who, who are challenged by this, that, and the other. And um, no, actually, that's actually chapter 5, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And you talk about, you hear these blessings, but some of that stuff, you're like, how can I be a blessing? <laughs> and I, bro- I, I broke it down for you to have a better understanding of what he meant by that, and I took you by verse by verse into the scripture. But this morning, I want to focus on our second part of the sermon series that we have been looking at, and I want to be focusing on the cure for anxiety. We started this series looking at the Beatitudes and the foundations of Jesus' sermon. And so I want to focus on anxiety because there's a lot of reasons why we could be anxious, right? There's many reasons that we could be anxious about the stuff that's going on around us, especially in our world today. Many reasons to get anxious, but I want to talk about how Jesus is the cure for anxiety. Every day our news feeds and inboxes are flooded with things that can make us anxious, Right? I get emails all the time. Or I look at the Facebook, and I'm looking at the news feeds, and it's something after another, one thing after another. There's always something in the news feeds that can make us anxious and get nervous. If we're not careful, we could begin to switch our focus on those things and slip away from what Jesus taught and wants us to remember. And the thing that he wants us to remember most in today's passage of Scripture is, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That's what he wants us to remember. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek first Facebook first. Not seek Instagram first. Not seek parlor now, you know, the unbiased uh, social media thing first, right? No, he's saying seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Amen? And so that's, what, that's, the, that's the foundation of what he wants us to look at. That's the foundation of how we can get over our anxiety. But I'm going to go ahead and break it down some more, this passage of scripture. But what is he talking about? What things? Talk about food, water, clothes, which are basic necessities, right? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Wow. Right? We look at the birds, they fly around. Last Sunday I had two birds was trying to come inside of the sanctuary. I was like, they were twins, you know, two, I told you about the, twi- <laughs> the, the two birds. My first words were, are you twins? You come to worship with us? And they started getting closer and closer. And when I got closer to them, they started backing up and they started making this noise. And I think, they, I think they were giving shouts of praise when they were flying out. <laughs> they were like, ah, 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 I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, I don't have the gift of interpretation of tongues, but somebody has it here, you know. She should have been out there to hear what they had to say. But they wanted to worship with us, right? And I think part of them was that they were up here because they were nervous about the storm, right? Somebody made a comment and said they might have been nervous about the storm, but where did they come to? They came to the house of God. So that tells me something. Even animals know where to come. Because the Spirit of God, the one that creates, created all, all of us, including the animals, right? They had this something built in them. That we are all created to worship the Lord. Now we have to choose, though. We are the only stubborn people of his creation that chooses not to worship him. Because all the, you know, have you ever seen birds out there with their one leg up and they're like, where do you think we got the idea to lift up our hands to worship, you know? <laughs> so I saw some of you just doing worship like this, you know. Praise the Lord, you know? But that they all worship the Lord because we are his creation. And so he takes care of the birds of the air. So how much more will he, able to, will he take care of us, right? He will take care of us even more. So when I think about that, this reminds me of a story of a robin named Ronnie, who was a bird that had lots of years of experience living as a bird. He had a young son named Ricky. Ronnie wanted to teach Ricky how to get worms to eat for breakfast. 
Ronnie flew with his son to the nearest patch of grass and looked around until he saw a worm slithering under the grass. He quickly pecked at the grass and pulled the worm out of the ground. You could turn me down this a little bit. Ricky was impressed and couldn't wait to try it for himself. Then Ricky seemed to be concerned. What's wrong? Ricky asked Ronnie. Dad, what if we worms aren't here tomorrow? What if they're not here tomorrow? What if they are all of a sudden all gone? Ronnie smiles. Makes me think of my uncle, Ronnie. Smiles. At his son and calmly said, Son, the worms will never run out. They are always here. God provides the worms for each of us every day. They were here yesterday. They are here today, and they will be here tomorrow. Ricky seemed relieved and started looking at his own worms. He's like, man, all right. There's more. He started looking for his own worms. And here's the whole point of the story. Robins and other birds have nothing to worry about when it comes to their provisions. Because God's the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, right? It's always there. Jesus speaks to us in today's passage about the focus we put towards the things of the world. Yeah, and anxiety is hard to avoid. But Jesus offers a new perspective. In his instruction about worry, worrying, he reminded the disciples that we were, extre- that were extremely valuable to the Father. God takes care of the birds and the flowers, and they are far less important. Therefore, God will certainly provide everything you need. Jesus pointed to an underlying cause of our anxiety, which is that we doubt God's love for us. That's the underlying cause of our anxiety is we doubt God's love for us. You know what the devil likes to do when you're going through anxiety? Make you feel alone. Make you feel like even God don't love you no more. Make you feel like you're a sinner because you have, you're worried about something. No. Yes, we all get anxious, right? We all get worried. We all get full of anxiety. But it doesn't mean that God loves us less when we do so. But he wants you to press through that and get the freedom that he offers us through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? But the enemy will make you feel all alone. Like it's such a bad thing for you to feel that way. He will make you feel like you are, you know, vulnerable for attack and God's his covering is not over you no more because you are anxious. And so, you know, you're not spirit-filled no more or you're not um, filled with God's presence because you are anxious. And that's a lie of the devil. So this morning, we're going to learn three things, three reasons why Jesus is the cure for our anxiety. So the title of my sermon this week is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the second part. Jesus, the cure for our anxiety. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 25 to 34, if you could stand for the reading of God's word, it says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. If you can't stand, that's okay. God still loves you. I still love you. (laughs) It says this, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and a body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic, cubit of, to his stature? That means about 18 inches to your height. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you or you a little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after, all these, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Put your hands in your Bible. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I I pray, Father, that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord God. We want more of you, less of us, and none of this world. We pray for your power to show upon us, shower your glory upon us, Lord God, your blessing upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. 
Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Yes, in agreement. Amen. First thing I want us to look at is Jesus is the cure for our anxiety. That's the whole topic of this uh, discussion this morning. And you may say, well, of course we know that already. If we are Christians, we know that he's the cure for everything. He's the cure for our anxiety as well. But sometimes we forget about that because the enemy is so crafty and getting us to forget what Jesus is all about. Amen? You know how he does that, and I said it before. He does it by making us feel guilty. He does it by pointing at the things in your past. He says to you, you know, you did this back in, back in the day. You caused trouble back in the day, right? And because of that, you, you know, God's, God's hand is not on you no more. He makes us feel guilty on a regular basis uh, because he wants us to feel isolated and alone. But we have to remember that Jesus is the cure for our anxiety. For so many of us to hear, do not worry about your life, Sounds like an impossible thing to obey as don't breathe. <laughs> now, if I tell you not to breathe, that's impossible, right? But when we hear the scripture that says, do not worry about your life, it sounds the same as me saying, don't breathe. Especially when we are confronted with so many issues in life, when we are confronted by certain things that happen, we could be um, um, distracted by that. We could be um, focusing on that, and we start thinking that it's impossible to not worry, but Jesus said it, and therefore it shall be done. Amen? Worry and anxiety over life are, are a run-of-the-mill. The run They're very common. It's mainstream. That happens all the time. People go through that. But to this, Jesus was pretty much saying, when was the last time you saw a bird with an ulcer? When's the last time you saw a bird struggling with an ulcer? Oh, oh Lord. You know? You never see them worried. Because they're God's creation. How much more us, the apple of his eye, the one that knows the number of the hairs on our head, the one that he loves and looks over us when we sleep in, and he looks over us with our love, the one who died for our sins, right, because he loved us so much. How much more can we have the peace of God if we see the birds of the air being taken care of? Birds don't worry about what they're going to get their next meal, where they're going to get it from. And yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Amen? The Heavenly Father feeds them in spite of them. They're not worried about that. They're not, they're not you know, challenged by that. They are fed, and they trust the Lord. Flowers don't agonize over looking pretty, but not even Solomon in all of his glory could match the beauty in the fields God created. They don't agonize about looking good. But the Bible says that Solomon in all of his glory. Now, just reading about the story of Solomon, man, he had people coming from all over the world to come hear what he had to say because he was such a wise man. And the one this morning, the story I was reading this morning was Queen Sheba. She came to see him, and she was just amazed about the, everything, just the way his, the food. They said tables, multiple tables of blessings, food. And by the way, we have a dinner on the ground tonight. So bring that food. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll taste and see that the Lord is good by tasting every one of your meals. Praise the Lord, but nothing spicy because I'll be having that also like a, like a bird. Okay. <laughs> Well, the birds don't have them, but, you know, that'll flare me up, okay? But she said when she went to Solomon's palace and she saw the, the palace and she saw the temple of the Lord that was built, she was impressed. Now, this is a woman who was a queen, all right? So she had the wealth, right? But she goes there, and she's impressed by his wisdom. She's impressed by his, the, the, those who his servants. She's impressed about everything, the, the way the, the, the palace was created, the way the, the temple was created. She says in all of that and said, man, Solomon, this is even more greater than it was. It's greater seeing this in person than it is hearing it by somebody else. It's even more so. And here the Bible is saying, that the flowers, right, they are more arrayed, they are more dressed better than Solomon in all of his glory. Why? Because the Lord is the one that takes care of us, right? The Lord is the one that blesses us. The Lord is the one that, that makes us look better than even the flowers. And, you know, here you have the comparison. If we can actually do a deep study, you know, I did this in my Old Testament class, and I forget how much it was, but we did a study of the amount of money that uh, Solomon had got blessed with, and it was up in the trillions, he was very wealthy, very, very wealthy. But <laughs> it says, parents don't worry about what they're going to get, their next meal, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them, right? And I said that they don't agonize. The flowers don't agonize over, what's, uh, over anything. Even Solomon in all his glory cannot match the beauty of the fields God creates because God is the creator. And even though Solomon had everything, the flowers were even much more 
beautiful than all that he had. Amen? Now, nobody here that I know of has trillions of dollars, right? But you're still beautiful. <laughs> right? I should sing that song. You're beautiful. Never mind. I'll stick to preaching, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> if God gives this kind of attention to birds and flowers, won't he do much more for you? Wow, he would, right? And, uh, you know, some of you know the story about my mother. My mother has to go to dialysis three times a week because she struggles with her kidneys. Her, her, her kidneys function at 3 to 4%, okay? So she constantly has to go to dialysis. Because of her kidneys, I think it was last year, the beginning of last year, or the, towards the end of the, uh, 2018, she had a massive heart attack and didn't even know it. Because heart attacks affect women, from what I was told, differently than it would affect men. It's not, it's not as severe as it is for a man, right? That's, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So she didn't even know it. So she goes to the doctor, and they said, you had a heart attack. And they said, your, your, your heart is not in good condition. And so they began to do some research, begin to look at it, and pretty much she had a heart, a pretty much a heart valve that is completely dead. They were supposed to do a triple bypass, or a triple, is it triple bypass? Triple bypass on her heart. They couldn't because one of them was completely dead. And so then they talked about doing a bypass. And we know because of her kidneys, the chances of survival and doing a bike bypass was going to be much more difficult. And so we had to pray. We were like, man, <laughs> Lord, what do we do? Either she gets the stents in the heart or she gets the bypass, and we're just going to trust you for whoever wants. Of course, the doctors were saying, well, if you get the stents in your heart, you know, they can, you know, can last you a certain amount of time, and then you have to get it again and eventually do this and that. But if you get the heart, the bypass, then you can last longer, but then the recovery is going to be much more harder for you because of your condition. What a, what a decision we had to make. And so as we make the decision, we are people of prayer, all of us. She has six kids, okay? Imagine six of me. Man, what a beautiful family, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm the, most good, the best looking one. I don't, anyway. <laughs> and so we had to pray. And, you know, honestly, there was three of us that were like, do the, do the bypass. I wasn't one of those three, okay? It was three of us that would say, I want to do the bypass. Then the other three were like, no, we should do the stents because we just believed that that would be a quicker recovery time for her and she'd be all right. You know, mom's going to continue doing what she does. So we decided, my oldest sister, she's the one that makes the decisions and we just follow suit. You know, she's four foot 11, but she's a t tough woman. She's tough. No, she's just very sweet and cuddly, actually. But anyway, so she made a decision. She said, well... Guys, we're just going to go ahead and go with the, with the stents in the heart, all right? So mom does well. Did you know that even in the surgery, they had a call, was it a cold red or, 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 or something like that, the hospital cold because she almost died even doing the stents. And all my mom could say is that she just remembers hearing voices in the background, people resuscitating her, and this, this, something was going on. She couldn't describe, but she did well. So she's a person of prayer. And, uh, and my mom and dad, we grew up in a family that, you know, we just weren't blessed financially, okay? And so they worked as hard as they could, but it was never that extra amount, so it was never enough money to put away. And so during this time, we're looking at my mom and saying, man, my dad's 81 years old. My mom is 75 years old. My mom's having this condition. We need to start coming up with a plan. God forbid something happens, we have to have a plan to put that in place. And here's where the, some things, a bad thing can turn around to a good thing, okay? My mom was on her way to one of her dialysis, or she was going somewhere. She, my dad was in the car. They were on her way somewhere, and their car got hit, and it got totaled, completely totaled. Totaled. And... They had to work out all the details with the insurances and all that stuff. It took almost a year, maybe close to two years for them to settle all that. But with that insurance settlement, she was able, now we are able to put the money away for her, prepare a will for her, prepare everything that is, something happens, then it's already set, it's prepared, it's ready, set, in order. See, sometimes when bad things happen like that, God could take that situation and turn it around for good. Yeah. 
Amen? Because David, give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't prepare themselves in advance. That was their fault, right? That was, that, that was their thing that they didn't do that. But God took a bad thing and turned it around for good. And that's something that can make us anxious. You know, I could think about my, my mom and my dad, and I do often, but I trust that God is in control and he's going to take care of them and everything could be okay. I keep on doing that. I remind myself every single day that God is in control and he, my mom is okay and he's going to bless her and everything's going to keep on moving forward. She's a woman of prayer. She prays and prays and prays. And sometimes I'm like, Mom, you pray for me. Oftentimes, she call, lately it's been, pray for me. You know, she always say, Raphael, I want to tell you what she calls me. Raphael, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. like, Mom, sometimes I need you to pray for me because you still a woman of prayer. I want to encourage you by that. You know, she taught Sunday school for years. She taught children's ministry for years. I mean, she's the forefront of the ministry that started. All of us followed that, 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 that into the ministry because she was the example that was faithful and committed to the ways of the Lord and never turned her back on the Lord. And that was a huge blessing to all of us. Even when we had our rebellious times, or I had my time. I played high school football, so I was cool, Daddy. Had my rebellious times. You know, mom had to pray a lot. <laughs> and then for my sister, praise the Lord. She had to pray a lot. And my older brother as well. All, all three of us, the three younger ones. It's the three older ones, they're perfect, you know, great. They're saints, you know, could never do nothing wrong. But the three younger ones, we're the bad ones, right? But anyway, so she would constantly pray for us. And so she's praying, been praying. And God just turns the negative situation. He turns it around for good. She was there. For her sister, and she's still there now, and because my mom's consistency and faith and trust in the Lord, even in the midst of all that she goes through, her sister gave her life to Jesus. And we're going to believe that that miracle is going to happen, whether she goes home to be with the Lord or she gets up out of her coma, that as a result of all that, people are going to come to Jesus. Because I have a cousin who needs the Lord. She's given her heart to the Lord. She surrendered her. She, she said the prayer. I'm going to go with that much, okay? And God will see whatever. God decides what happens as a result of that. She's given her heart to the Lord. She's just having a hard time staying consistently in relationship with him. She has to grow in the Lord. Amen? But, Mike, so we're going to see what God's going to do in all of this. God takes a negative and he could turn it around for positive. We were anxious. When my mom got her car, her car got totaled. How are we going to pay for that? How are we going to, you know, the insurances took care of that? All that, you know, going through almost two years for them having to settle this case. And it was like my mom kept on telling me, I don't think it's going to happen. We'll pray and let God's will be done. And sure enough, God's will was done and he took care of the rest. Amen? God is good. Second thing is Jesus is the provider of our needs. He's the provider of our needs. He says, don't worry about life needs. He said that in verse 31. After all, idolaters seek after things and become anxious. People who are seeking materialism, who are seeking other things, they become anxious, right? But the Lord says, seek first the kingdom. They plead with their false gods, these idolaters, for help. But you have a heavenly Father, the true and living God, who knows what you need. And sometimes we neglect to pray about the needs because you say, well, God knows that already. I just like to say it because I want to remind myself of what I need. <laughs> when I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, I need this in my life right now. Of course, he already knows, but it's good for me to repeat that and say it because then I'm reminded that, oh, I already prayed for this, and God's going to do He's going to, the answer is going to come when it's the right time. Amen? But he knows it. He knows our needs already. He, he knows it. But we should also take it a step forward and bring our needs before him, even though he knows that. It's not wrong to plan and work hard. We should do those things. Opposite of my parents, okay? They, they worked hard, but they didn't really plan. Our error is when we remove God from the equation and fail to give him priority. When we put our jobs before the Lord, we put our careers before the Lord, we put our needs before the Lord. We don't find ourselves in church because of those things. We don't find our church because, you know, because we have all these, we mixed up in our finances and then we're upside down. And so we feel the need that we have to, you know, spend time more working and less time in the church. When it's important for us to be in the house of God, amen? I mean, we, 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 have, three, we have two services, <laughs> Sunday and Wednesday, and maybe you can't make that. But God knows whether you are putting him as a priority in your life or not. I can't say that for anybody here. I know for me, he's going to be my number one priority. I remember when I worked at Publix, this was back in 2016. We were living in Tampa. 
And the first thing I said when I went back to, this is like my third time going back to Publix. Publix has always been one of those companies that I worked there for so long. I was going to retire from there. I was going to be a store uh, manager. I was working on being a grocery manager when I was 16. I started working there. And in my 20s, I was going up the corporate ladder, but I felt called to be in the ministry. I got the calling when I was a kid. And I was like, no, I'm going to go after this calling. And so I was going up the corporate ladder at Publix, and I decided, no, that's not for me. And so I could always go back there if I needed a, a job. I could go to back to Publix and be like, oh, Rafael Rodriguez, oh, we got you on record. You served almost 10 years. Oh, yeah, we, oh, we'll hire you. you know? And so I go there in 2016. We, we were moving back from Maryland. God was preparing us because we didn't know what was going to happen in the sense that my mother-in-law needed us there for that time. Because what happened in 2017, she ended up dying of cancer. Thank God we were there in 2016 with her, living with her, to spend the time that we needed to spend with her. And my kids, you know, being with her, seeing their grandma, they still talk about her to this day. They loved her. And Charlie, who's, you know, our father, my father-in-law, he was here a couple of weeks ago, his wife. We go back, we come back to Florida and Tampa, and I had to get a job at Publix. And, I, you know, I've never been, in, I have degrees, but I've never been too proud to go and work. If I need to work, I'm going to work, right? And so I go to Publix, and the first thing I say to them, I say, hey, I need Sundays off. <laughs> That's it. I said, I'll work whatever hours. I need Sundays off. So they hired me to be the dairy person. And there was a truck that would come in on Sundays, and they would have somebody else, a part-timer, or somebody else work that truck so I could have my Sundays off. That's the negotiation. That was the agreement that I had with them from the beginning. And so then I got a promotion to be a grocery replenishment specialist, which is like do all the inventory, and they can have the numbers accurate. So you can have, if somebody buys something from the shelf, then that's already counted, and then we have the right amount of um, stock on hand. Because how many people go to Walmart or other places where you don't find what you're looking for and you get frustrated? Well, Publix takes it a step further and says, we don't want our customers coming here and not seeing what they need, because they're going to end up losing them, especially when it's so much more expensive than Walmart is, right? So they gotta, they gotta, they gotta be, <laughs> they gotta be creative. And so my job was to get up at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, I actually be at work at four o'clock in the morning. So I would have to get up at three o'clock in the morning, and I'll be scanning that. I work. For, I used to work from four to two. And as I was getting more closer to that management position, my my store manager comes to me. He's like, "Hey, Raphael, we might need you to work on Sundays." I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> that agreement from when I first got hired here was." that I didn't work on Sundays, and you guys were okay with that. And the reason being for me was I was doing ministry. I was also preaching at churches. I was traveling, you know, different places and ministering as an evangelist. I was actually helping out a church in Tampa that was going through transition. I was there to help them out and get them through the transition. And so I had a commitment to doing that, and I was like, sorry, but you, you guys agreed to hire me without having me work on Sundays. That's the agreement we had. And the reason being is because I'm a minister. And they knew that. Because when I, one time they invited me to do an award ceremony, they wanted me to speak. They said, we need a minister to speak. And I spoke there. So they knew that was my, what my background was. And so they, tried, they kept on trying to get me to do it. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but you already said that you would let, let me have Sundays off. So we're going to have to figure that out. And long and behold, it never happened. It never happened. I never had to work on Sunday. I had to remind them, though, <laughs> this is the commitment we made uh, for me to be able to work here is to have Sundays off. Well, that was a priority for me. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty if you work on Sunday morning, okay? But I want you to understand this. Make God a priority no matter what day of the week you work. Amen? God is number one. And if you can't make it to service, then you look at watch it online. But God is a priority that needs to be number one in our life so that we can continue to walk in that favor, walk in his goodness, and walk in that, that blessing that he has for us, right? There's a famous bumper sticker that clearly expresses the idolatry of this world. It says, he who dies with the most toys wins. So that means that life and the afterlife have no real meaning whatsoever. Right? So make it your own, and what they're saying is, make it your own ambition to play hard and find your worth in the materialism and pleasure of this world. That's what they're saying by that. Our primary way to avoid this form of idolatry is to put God at the center of your life and love him with all that you have. Money, wealth, and possessions have three primary purposes in Scripture. Okay? Money, wealth, and possessions have three primary purposes in Scripture. Here's the first one. 
to give appropriate care for one's own family and prevent them from becoming a burden to others. So my responsibility is to take care of my children. <laughs> and, you know, what my mom would sometimes remind me is, man, I took care of you for all your life. Now it's your turn to take care of me. Yes, sometimes, yeah, that's true. I can help take care of her. But she knows that I'm a minister and I don't make a lot of money, okay? I'm not, I'm, I don't have my own plane, not yet. We're working on that, right, Lisa and Rob and, and Vince? We're working on getting me a plane. Those are my board members, you know, we're working on that. So see, but our responsibility is to provide for our family, right? So they don't become a burden to others. Yes, so it's important that we work, but don't make that a priority before God. Here's the second thing. Money, wealth, and possessions have three primary purposes. Here's number two. To help those who are in need, especially in the church. We are to help those who are in need, especially the brothers and sisters in Christ here, right? We are our family. Remember that song? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. How it goes? How come? Cleansed by his blood, join us with Jesus, right? Man, I remember that. The first Assembly of God church I went to was back in 1990. We moved from New York to Tarpon Springs, Florida. It was Tarpon Springs First Assembly. And we used to do that every single time during the greeting time. He say, greet one another, and I'll play the song in the background. I'm so glad I'm a part. I mean, you, you already knew it, you know. I'm a fan. So I, I grew up, I was able to get blessed with all the old-time songs. I, you know, love him. Love him still. Praise the Lord. Here's the third thing. Money, wealth, and possessions have three primary purposes. The number three is to encourage and support the work of the gospel both at home and around the world. That's why we support missionaries, right, both home and around the world. Amen? So praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to next year sometime. We're going to have a mission banquet so I can encourage everyone here to fill out a faith promise and commit to supporting missionaries. Did you know that Marie and I, we support missionaries? Even when we were missionaries, we were supporting missionaries. Because we were saying, you know, if we are dependent on churches to give us finances for us to do our mission, we're going to, we're going to bless other missionaries. So they've been missionaries we've been supporting for years. If you don't know the story, our background story, my wife was a missionary for close to 20 years before we became a pastor. And all that time, she was giving, as a missionary, supporting other missionaries. So we will see each other as <laughs> missionaries. We will see them at different events. You'll be like, hey, oh yeah, thank you. thank you for your support. Likewise, you know, just kind of supporting one another. It's been, always been on our heart to give, and we still do. Still do. And God's blessed us. Amen. But I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to next year when I have a mission banquet and encourage you guys to take a step forward and fill out a faith promise to be able to bless the missionaries. We have 17 that we currently support here at the church. We want to keep all 17, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Here's the third thing. Jesus is the antidote for worry. Jesus is the antidote for worry. Here's what it says in verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Amen? It's answered by that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This statement is the centerpiece of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Mount, mouth, mount. It's the centerpiece. It's the main idea. You ever learned that in school, right? You're reading the, the, reading of the book and you say, what's the main idea of the story? I used to hate that because I could never find the main idea. I'm like, oh, no. My mind's always racing. Somebody, I think Marie Denton said, do you ever sleep? Because you're always on the go. My mind is always racing. So I can never find the main idea of the story. What is the main idea of the story? I don't know. This happened. A rabbit came out of the hat, jumped up, and man. Kind of like Alice in Wonderland. All these crazy things that are happening. Yeah, you know. But this is the centerpiece of Jesus' sermon on the mount. If you get this right, everything else falls into place. If you get that right, everything in your life will fall into the place. God demands that his kingdom rule be first in your life. When it's missing, you identify the key to your problems. Righteousness is the standard God requires in order for his people to rightly relate to him. To seek his kingdom is to seek to live in accordance with his standards, his guidelines. 
Prioritizing God's kingdom in this way doesn't mean you won't experience challenges and suffering, but your life will be aligned under his kingdom authority so you can experience his provisions. I'm about to share a story with you. It's an illustration. Some of you may like this. Some of you may not. If you're a sports fan, you will like this, okay? Just a few weeks ago, we had the World Series, right? We had the Rays and the Dodgers, and we know that the Rays fell short of winning the World Series, right? But they did a lot better than my team, and I forgot to bring my Yankee hat because I could have put it on right here, the New York Yankees. They did a lot better than them. Now, people keep reminding me the Yankees haven't been in the World Series in a long time, and I keep on saying them, but yet they have 29 World Series, so, and nobody can beat that yet. So, ha. I don't know, I guess because I'm a fan and I can't go to the World Series anymore, I don't know. So, so the, the, the Rays fell short. But here's what happens in baseball. In baseball, you can step on second base, third base, and home plate without being tagged. But if you miss first base on the way, nothing else matters. If you make that hit, it could be a home run, and all of a sudden, this is first base, you miss it, this is first base, you miss it, you go to second base, then you run to third base, and then you're trying to run home. And, and what happens? You're out, because you missed first base, right? And there's no arguing with the referee or the umpire. Oh, what are you talking about? I ran the whole diamond. I ran the, I went first, second, third. And they had that replay. And it says, you completely missed first base. You're out. Man, it was a beautiful hit, though. Oh, man, knocked it out the park. Right? How many people remember Maguire? Some of you remember, what's it, Sosa? Sammy Sosa? Ken Griffey Jr., all these home run hitters, right? Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you remember... All those that play, Giambi, Jason Giambi, people like that. The, the greatest team that ever played in sports. So if you miss first base, you can't argue with the empire, right? You can't say, well, you can't plead the case. Because if you didn't step on a plate, you are out. And God cannot be second. Do you know that? He cannot be second. So how do you know if you're putting God's kingdom first? Ask yourself the question. When I need guidance to make decisions, where do I go first? For many Christians, God's like a spare tire. He's where they run when all else fails. So do you seek God's perspective first through his word and godly counsel? Do you seek the world's perspective? Now, you know what happens with a spare tire. You got a flat tire. You got that spare tire and sometimes you, ha you have worn that spare tire so badly that when you put it on, you can't be using it anymore. Oh, man, I forgot to replace the spare tire. I've been here before, right? But God cannot be a spare tire. He has to be number one in our life. Kingdom Christians appeal to God's view and his righteousness, his righteous standards first. The key is what Jesus said in the latter part. I'm going to read that again. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Align yourself with his agenda, and your daddy will take responsibility for meeting your needs. Here's a question. Should we be concerned with the things of this world? Yes, we should be concerned with the things of this world. But let us not be overly concerned with the things of the world. Amen? Let us not be so stressed about the things in this world. We need to plan and work and take care of ourselves and our families. If we do that in advance... They'll be taken care of. Amen? Should we be worried about the things of this world? We could be concerned, but should we be worried about the things of this world? No. We should seek God in his ways, and the rest will work out. Everything will work out for his glory. We need to focus on God more. That takes us to the bottom line right here. Don't be anxious. Seek the Lord and be gracious. Try to make it rhyme. I need a beat. Here we go. Ready? About to rap. Right? Don't be anxious. Seek the Lord to be gracious anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. I rap. I rap. I rap. But I rap Christmas presents. But I rap. I do have a song out there if you want to look it up. It's my one-hit wonder. And it wasn't Millie Villainly style. It was me. I did rap. Okay. 
I'm a one-hit wonder. I retired after that because I kept on saying I look like Andy Mineo. Some of you who, know, who knows who that is. And I'm like, nope, I'm not Italian, I'm Puerto Rican, but yeah, we kind of look alike because we're both from New York. Anyways, <laughs> don't be anxious. Seek the Lord and be gracious. Amen? Here's the weekly challenge. Jesus tells us three times in this passage, do not worry or be anxious. Do you think that's important? Yes. Whenever God repeats something over and over, whenever you see the Bible repeat something, that is important. Amen? For some people like me, it's the main idea being repeated. Hey, here's the main idea right here. There's your sign, right? Put your trust in God, and the rest will work out. Seek him, and he'll take care of you. Challenge yourself this week in the following way. Here's the first one. What am I worried about? What am I worried about? Some of us are worried. We are completely worried. Identify the source of that worry. Here's an application. I want to equip you. If you're worried about something, spend time praying, asking the Lord, what is it that's making me so worried? And then ask him to help you. I'm sorry, but I, just don't, I don't like to be stressed. I don't like to be anxious. I just don't like it. Okay? Sometimes I am. I don't like it. I just don't. So what I do, I go before the Lord and say, hey, Lord, I'm worried about this, that, this, that, 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 that. And I need you to take this, take it, because I'm not gonna be, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be worried. Identify the source of that worry. Ask yourself, why am I worried about this? Then secondly, what am I seeking? Whoop. What am I seeking? What are you seeking? Are you seeking to make that fulfill an American dream? Oh man, I want to get that. I want to get that uh, that Bentley. I want that Bentley. So I'm gonna actually church allow me to be away on certain Sundays so I can go preach and make some more money. I could get that Bentley. No, I'm just joking. Right? But some people are seeking the American dream. They watch all these rappers and movie stars and say, "Man, I want that car right there." I have a seventh grader. She, she wants to get the old, this is, this is cute. I think it's cool that she actually knows about the Dukes of Hazards, right? But was that a 68 Dodge Charger? Or a Challenger? She's like, coach, coach, look, look. They only have 22 left in the world. and I want that, coach. I want to get that. I'm like, girl, what you know about the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> well, of course, they did a couple of remakes, right? But she's talking about the original one. And these, the ones that she's trying to buy, they are actually the ones that were in, in certain episodes of the show. And she watched that, like, girl, you better start working now. At least you're in seventh grade. Maybe by the time you're 35, you might be able to get that. But we don't know. I mean, they're not cheap. So she shares that with me. And I joked around and said, yeah, I'm going to buy Zoe this, uh, this car. I said, like, really? She thought it was true. I'm like, girl, I don't make that much money as a coach. Come on now. Well, what are we seeking? And I say that jokingly because she is a believer. She seeks the Lord. But, she, you know, everybody has dreams, right? You have your dream car you want to buy. Honestly, I never had a dream car. Really, just, I'm not a car person. I'm okay with my 2004 Toyota Camry that's got well over 200,000 miles on it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> But if it dies, I won't be okay with that. If I want to run out of the car, you're going to see me on the side of the road. <laughs> and one of you guys is going to drive right past me and say, meow. <laughs> That's Pastor Raphael. I didn't tie this week, so I don't want him to see me. <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. Because I didn't tie, he can't afford to buy a car because he don't get a salary after that. You know, anyways. But we all have dreams. We all want to aspire to something. And, um, you know, us, we were missionaries for so long, we're like, <laughs> we do have a dream. We have a certain dream house we'd like to buy okay, one day, a dream house. And there's days I pray about it specific, because you got to get specific with God, right? But you know what my number one aim, one one aim first? It's not to work hard to get that house. It's to seek the Lord first, and everything else will come to me. That's the aim. And that's what I want to encourage you by, is have that aim. 
Are you seeking the things of the world or the things of God? Here's a question. Here's my closing question for you. When was the last time that you really sought God and his ways? When's the last time? Did you know that God is seeking you? He loves you and wants, to great, grant, he wants great blessings for you. Blessings are far greater than food and clothing and material matters. I want to ask everybody to stand to their feet and close their eyes, bow their head. Trying to get you out of here early because you're going to come back tonight. Everybody here is going to come back tonight with some food, right? Praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to say it so you guys can get mad. Pecan pie. Pecan. 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 I actually say it both ways. But I got a question to ask you. Did you know that God created us to be with him? And according to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, 3, or 103, Man, Psalm is so full of great things. I love reading through it. It's 150 chapters of Psalms, but it is all packed with great things. But here's what it says in chapter 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So God created us to be with him. But then our sins, they separate us from God. In Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glorious standards of God. Everybody, every single one of us, have fallen short. So God created us to be with Him. Our sins separate us from God. This is called a gospel journey, by the way. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us, that yet while we still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? He paid a price. A lot of people who believe that I could be good enough to get to heaven, I always say that's exhausting because I never could be good enough to get to heaven. Instead, I'm going to surrender my life to the one who died for me. I'm going to accept him as my Lord and Savior who lived a good life, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose for us. I'm going to give my life over to him. Pay the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. Again, Romans 5.8 reminds us of that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. We know what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen? Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Here's what it says in John 10.28. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. John 10, 28 says, And I would give them eternal life, and they should never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Those are the words of Jesus. And so I'm going to ask the question. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today you're saying, Pastor Raphael, I want to make sure that I, if I die today, I'm going to go to heaven. I want to make sure like your mom, who she, may, she has issues with her kidneys and she has issues with her heart. But I know if mom goes home, dies today, she will be with Jesus. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Is that she? I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and say, I want to make sure that if I die, I'm going to be with him. That's you. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Or maybe you said, you know, Pastor Raphael, I've done this before. I've given my life to Jesus. I did it as a little child. But somehow along the way, 
I have let the anxiety of this world keep me distant from God. I let the anxiety of this world keep me from pressing in. I let the, the, the pursuit of chasing after the American dream for, to get me from putting him first in my life. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. There's no, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. You're saying this morning, I want to have a deeper love for God. I want to have a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. And I know we had an altar call earlier today, and, and praise the Lord. God was good. He did, he did amazing things during that. But I'm going to have to do another one right here. And if you need prayer this morning, we're going to end with prayer this morning. But before we get there, after we pray this prayer for God to give us a new love for him and a more intimate relationship, I'm going to have you guys repeat that with me. But if you need prayer specifically, you want the Lord to do more in your life, I'm going to ask you guys to come up here. I want to have my prayer team be prepared already. After this prayer, my prayer team, if you could come to the front. And then those of you who need prayer after this prayer, come to the front so we can pray for you again. Sandy, you're going to continue playing in the background as we pray. And whatever song comes to your heart, you can let the Lord download that on your heart. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help me to have a deeper love for you. Lord, today, I put you first in my life. Today, I choose to seek first the kingdom of God with the promise that everything else will be added to me. Lord, help me not to be worried about tomorrow, for today is a day in itself. And so today, I offer this to you. Whatever that is, say that to the Lord between you and God. I offer this worry. I offer this anxiousness. I offer this sickness to you, Lord. I say, here it is. This is yours. Take this from me. So at the count of three, I'm going to just have you come up front. And we want to pray for you. One, you say, Jesus, I, I need more Jesus. I need, I need God to touch a specific area of my life. Or two, I need to stand in place for one of my family members. My fa one of my family members is not able to come to church. They're not able to be here. So I'm going to stand in proxy for them. Number one is I need prayer for my own personal life. Number two, I'm standing for a family member. And number three, I'm praying for a miracle in our world today. I'm praying for the Lord to do something in our world today. Ready? One, two, three. Come, we want to pray for you.
We're going to pray for Jessica, if you guys could join me in that. She has seizures at times, and so that's the reason why she don't walk as much. But we're going to pray that God's going to deliver her from that, right? So I need everybody to stretch out your hand, and we're going to pray for Jessica. Uh, all my prayer warriors, we're going to lay hands on her right now. And we're going to believe for a miracle to happen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So we pray right now. In Jesus' name, Father God, we lift up Jessica to you right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we say no to seizures anymore. No more seizures, Lord God. And we pray right now in Jesus' name that you will touch her body, Lord, that she's able to walk because you've done something supernatural over her. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. There's so many people here who have had miracles, Lord God. I heard stories of miracles, signs, and wonders, Lord God. People who came back from a coma, Lord, you've done miracles in their life. So we're praying for a miracle over Jessica right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that Jesus would be gone in Jesus name no more in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and Father God that she'll be able to walk on her own Lord God without falling Lord strengthen her legs strengthen her body in the name of Jesus Christ because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Lord you are the way maker the miracle worker the promise keeper the light in the darkness Lord God my God that is who you are and so we pray right now in faith believing that you will do something supernatural over her body right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ Lord we pray Come on, church, press in. We're praying right now in Jesus' name, Lord God. We walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hey, here's a testimony. At the fall festival, you ladies, Adeline, Linda, and I believe Mari, you pray for a kid that had um, night terrors. That kid has not had night terrors ever since you guys prayed for them. Give a hand to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were telling Sandy he hasn't had night terrors ever since. The Lord answers prayer. Amen? And you may say, well, you know, who am I that you are mindful of me? But God can use every single one of you. Amen? It doesn't just, I don't have to be the one to pray for you. You guys could pray for people and God will do something through you. Amen? I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet and with your hands extended out. I want to bless you this morning. I pray this morning that he who is able to do abundantly above more than we ask, <laughs> more than we promise, I pray over that right now over you in the name of Jesus Christ that he does it over your life. 
in Jesus' name. Bless every single person here in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and what you will continue to do. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Thank you for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast or share it with somebody by taking a photo and sending it by text message or share it with the link below and they'll be able to click on it and enjoy the message as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.